This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know from CQ Roll Call's reporters in Washington. I'm Jason Dick. Today is Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. COVID-19 has a stranglehold on just about every corner of the world. The European Union's economy minister said the continent's economy will shrink further this year into next. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro, after downplaying the seriousness of the pandemic for months, has now tested positive for the virus. And Congress was given formal notification today of President Donald Trump's withdrawal of the United States from the World Health Organization, despite the dire situation the country and the globe faces. Tonight's podcast will zero in on current thinking about what back to school might look like, as well as a conversation about the desperate need for economic relief for frontline workers. We begin with CQ Roll Call health policy reporter, Mary Ellen McIntyre. With schools set to begin reopening next month, the White House focused today on how they can do so safely. President Donald Trump appeared this afternoon at a roundtable event to hear how state and local officials are planning to reopen schools. Trump said that schools should not remain closed for political reasons. Earlier in the afternoon, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar and Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos both said that they were confident that schools could reopen this fall. Throughout the day, officials spoke about the perils for students if schools aren't open. There is some evidence that children are less likely to transmit the virus that causes COVID-19 or to exhibit symptoms or have a severe version of the disease if they do come down with it. Public health officials and pediatricians have raised concerns for students' social, psychological, and emotional health if they're not in school. Schools are also where many students get needed nutrition or mental health services. Several school districts have begun announcing their plans for the fall. Florida's Education Commissioner said this week that schools in the state must reopen for five days a week in the fall. Other school districts have said they intend to reopen with a hybrid model, where students will physically be in class some days a week while taking online classes on other days. Higher education institutions have also begun announcing their plans for the fall. Several colleges and universities have said that some or all of their classes will be taught digitally, or students will at least have an option to take a class remotely. Many colleges or universities have said that they will not welcome back their entire student bodies to campus in the fall and may only have freshmen or seniors or some other combination of students on campus at certain times throughout the year. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have said that they'll offer guidance for schools as they make plans for the fall, but officials say that they expect that schools will reopen with certain modifications to adapt to the pandemic. Those might include spacing out desks or wearing masks. Some educators have raised the ideas like using plexiglass barriers around desks or in between students and teachers. Second Lady Karen Pence, who teaches art at a D.C. area school, said that, for example, she'd be moving between classrooms this fall instead of teaching in her own art room. Still, the National Education Association, the nation's largest union, criticized the administration for not listening to educators on what is needed to reopen schools. In a statement, the group's president said that students and teachers may not have the masks or other protective equipment that they need to safely return to school. And in other healthcare news, the Department of Health and Human Services announced free testing for COVID-19 in three cities that are considered hotspots, Jacksonville, Florida, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Edinburgh, Texas. The increased federal support will sponsor additional testing sites in those cities for between 5 and 12 days and will help to identify additional cases, especially in asymptomatic patients. They plan to conduct 5,000 tests per city per day. The turnaround time for those tests' results will be between 3 and 5 days, and the administration could announce additional testing sites soon. 
Now to Niels Lesniewski, who sat down with Lee Saunders, president of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, about the dire need for local aid to support frontline workers. We're joined now by Lee Saunders. He's the president of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. His group this week is expanding an ad campaign that has already been running in Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's home state of Kentucky. Uh, The ads are calling for additional assistance for state and local governments that have faced a budgetary crisis thanks to the coronavirus. Based on what I know about the ads that are going to start running in in a variety of new states, it it sounds like you're trying to get support that's targeting Republican senators up for re-election this year. You're trying to get them on board. The coronavirus is wrecking Missouri's budgets. If Josh Hawley doesn't act, there will be painful cuts to essential public services, fewer teachers and nurses, longer response times, dirtier streets. That's exactly right. We are are on on the air uh, in a number of states urging the senators there uh, to support uh, the HEROES Act and the $1 trillion in aid to states cities and towns, that should be their priority. You know, they're on vacation right now, yet our people are still going to work every single day, uh, many times under very severe circumstances where they don't have the proper PPE, proper equipment, uh, but still going to work providing essential public services uh, to the citizens of uh, their communities and to the citizens of this country. And it would be a shame uh, if, in fact, we don't pass legislation here in Washington, D.C., which provides the necessary financial aid to states and cities and uh, small cities and counties and school districts to continue those essential and vital public services. There has been some talk out of the White House and and other Republicans that maybe the total size of the next uh, COVID-19 response package all-encompassing might only be $1 $1 trillion, it's hard to say only $1 trillion, because uh, in, in a previous world, that might have sounded like a crazy amount of money. But if the total package is only going to be $1 trillion, how will you get anywhere near the, the sort of assistance that you're looking for? Well, we're going to push for what was passed in the House, uh, passed by uh, the uh, push by uh, Speaker Pelosi and uh, supported by every Democrat or most Democrats. In the uh, in the house, uh, and that calls for uh, a robust package, which includes one trillion dollars uh, in aid to state local uh, jurisdictions, and uh, that's what we're going to continue to push for uh, in the Senate. Uh, if we can, uh, if we can, the federal government can uh, uh, can support corporations uh, with uh, the CARES Act. If they can support small businesses. Now it's time to support those who provide essential services to our communities. So what do you say to the argument that there are municipalities uh, that were not effective uh, stewards of funding, you know, that may have had budgetary issues, whether it was pensions or other budgetary issues uh, beforehand? This is part of the argument that that some Republicans in particular are making uh, against this sort of assistance that you're seeking. That's a non-starter. I mean, the argument uh, makes absolutely no sense. We have a crisis 
on our hands right now with the coronavirus. And uh, you see the statistics every single day in many states across the country. Those numbers are starting to rise substantially once again. Uh, and this is a crisis of impacts on everyone, everyone. One of the ways in which we can deal with this crisis is to move uh, federal dollars uh, to the local level to continue those necessary public services so businesses can operate or start to operate once again uh, when the virus uh, calms down, if you will, uh, where uh, people can rely upon the services they uh, become used to for so many, many years. And uh, I don't accept that premise. I don't accept that argument at all. There should be aid going to states and cities and towns and school districts unrestricted to continue to provide public services. This is a crisis that this country faces. And we cannot uh, accept um, excuses for not supporting uh, the work that state and local governments provide every single day. There's also arguments that the next package uh, needs to include some sort of liability protection for uh, places that may face what could be arguably uh, inappropriate lawsuits, colleges, universities, healthcare systems, probably, frankly, places where workers similar to yours work. I'm, I'm sure if they're public sector institutions, they might already have some sort of a shield. Uh, to some degree at least, uh, but what's your take on the idea of uh, liability protection? I think it's shameful. I mean, quite honestly, that uh, you have some folks in the Senate uh, who would delay urgent relief to the American people uh, in order to allow businesses to skirt their responsibilities to protect their employees and customers. I think, I think that's shameful, and I don't think the American public would stand for that. Uh, just as it's shameful to say that well, we can let the states and cities go on their own. And if they're having financial problems, they can claim bankruptcy. Well, they can't claim bankruptcy. They've got to have a balanced budget. I mean, that whole argument is nonsense. Many of the arguments that are being put forth by the Senate leadership are it's simply nonsense. And they've got to get back to the basics. And those basics are step up to the plate, do the right thing, work with the House, and develop a plan and a program to provide needed assistance uh, to our communities across the country. Meanwhile, the grim news from the United States about the pandemic continues. The nation's leading infectious disease specialist, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said in a webcast that the United States is still knee-deep in the virus. He ended the webcast by saying, We've already suffered through a lot of pain, a lot of economic and personal pain and inconvenience. Science will get us through this. Hang in there. It will end. We promise you. Thank you for listening. From all of us at CQ Roll Call, I'm Jason Dick.